Welcome to On Reserve, a podcast of the Independence Public Library in Independence, Iowa. I am Caitlin Britcham, Program Coordinator at the Library, and I will be your host. Each episode, you usually hear about the most popular books at IPL, some read-alikes, and a resource available at the library. This episode, however, is a special episode, produced in conjunction with our One Book, One Independence programming. In keeping with the themes of this year's book, This Tender Land, by William Kent Kruger, we have collected histories from residents of senior living facilities here in Independence about their time living through or just after the Great Depression. These interviews were recorded in a socially distanced way due to the COVID-19 pandemic, and therefore the sound quality isn't always clear. You may hear increased background noise or other sounds during the interviews, but we have tried to clean up the audio as best as we can in order for the stories to still shine. As you may have noticed, this episode is longer than most. I hope you enjoy these histories from the Great Depression. The first interview includes memories shared by Mavis Armstrong. She was born November 2nd, 1930, on a farm near Chester, Iowa, making her 90 years when this interview was recorded. She spent the first half of her childhood living on the farm before moving to Leroy, Minnesota, when her father got a job at the Rath Packing Company. I visited with Mavis at her current home in Lexington Estates. Listen in as she shares about her life on the farm during the 1930s. My, my dad farmed. We furnished, he furnished the labor and stuff, and the banker owned it. So you rented it from the banker, did all the work, and got most of, some, some of the benefits from it. <laughs> she milked and had chickens and sold eggs and of course, took care of us and had a garden and canned and all that good stuff. We had fun, like you walked to school, you played in the snow and all that kind of stuff, but no, no big important memory that sticks in my mind. We did okay, like I said, my dad did the work and the banker owned the farm, so it was called Farming 50-50. Dad did the work and he got 50% of crop or whatever we sold. <laughs> like you, you milked cows and you sold the cream and you used the milk to feed the little calves and pigs and things like that. Of course, there were a lot of things that we, they don't have stuff to do now. We had, we milked cows and sold cream and my dad used the horses to plow the fields and stuff. We didn't have like tractors or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It was just a way of life really for us. Yeah. And we walked to and from school. As my children said, yes, mother, we know. You walked two miles uphill to school and two miles uphill home. <laughs> I said, well, we did walk. <laughs> Maybe not quite that far, but we did. No, it was a country school. There was a teacher, and you know, you uh, you were divided into grades. And when it was your turn, you were at the front of the room and did your classwork, and then you sat back in the 
on the uh, school and some uh, some other classes up there. Well, while they were doing that, you were supposed to be doing your homework and or reading a book or something. Sometimes we had neighborhood get-togethers where the adults would be inside playing cards and the kids would be outside playing hide-and-seek or stuff like that. Is there anything that you learned when you were a child growing up in that time that you've carried with you? Well, I knew I, have to, I, knew I had to be responsible for, you know, getting things done and paying bills and all that because if we didn't pay rent to the landlord, we wouldn't be able to stay on, which was actually his farm, things like that. As an adult, Mavis went to work in the offices of the Rath Packing Company, where she met her husband. They went on to have 10 children, and she is now the proud grandma of lots of grandchildren. Her children live scattered across the United States, and she is always happy when they are able to stop in Independence to spend time with her. I had a lot of fun chatting with Mavis during my time at Lexington Estates. The second interview includes memories shared by Petronilla Yarrington, or Nilla as she likes to be called. Nilla now lives in Independence at Lexington Estates after having lived in Waterloo for the past several years. She was born in Gilbertville, Iowa on February 9, 1927. I had the opportunity to interview her right before her 94th birthday. Nilla's experience growing up in town was very different than life on a farm during this time, and she graciously shared her stories with us. My dad was a carpenter. Mom just took care of us. There was, well, nine, nine, ten with me. Let's see. Rita, Lucy, Bernie, Claude. I mean, I was number five. <laughs> we were very poor, very, very poor. People can't imagine how we survived. and Not only us, a lot of people in that time. But I do remember a lot of things from the, like food, to get food. If it wasn't for Grandma Nisen, that had been my mom's mother, they had a little farm, and she'd bring us a chicken once in a while or something, you know. We always had a huge garden. That's what we lived on, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there was... We call my grandpa, well, I suppose it started out as Papa, they were German, it ended up puppy, puppy. And we'd make puppy soup, what it was, and we ate it. It was oatmeal you kind of burned in the skillet and added water and I don't know what, not much of anything. We ate that. And then in the summer, the garden, you know, fresh stuff. Mom canned a lot of stuff, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, them old days are, we were, I think of it now, I don't know how we survived, how people did in, that's like we see on the TV, the Dust Bowl. Oh, that was, yeah, that was terrible too. We didn't have it, but, yeah. Yeah, after I was married and that, we had, 
Well, I always had a big garden. I canned everything. I think about the only thing we ever bought was flour and sugar, <laughs> maybe a little butter or something. Mm -hmm. I married a farm guy, and uh, I learned. <laughs> yeah, we didn't know what bought and bread was. <laughs> Then when we did, I think years and years later, I think Mom got a loaf of bread somewhere, and we thought, God, that was great. But then we liked our... <laughs> now when you smell the home-baked bread, people go wild. <laughs> what did you guys do for entertainment? Just entertained ourselves. Played balls. Hide-and-go-seek. I don't know. Yeah, we didn't go, and I didn't take my kids uh, either to to have to be entertained. You know, some people do. Yeah. Did you know that you were poor, or was that just kind of the way that things I were? I think it's just the way people lived. Yeah. Yeah. When I think of it now, it, our house. Dad finally he was in World War One, and he finally got the little bonus and they built this house and it was just a frame with black tar paper on it. How we survived in the winter, I don't know. Just black, that's what it was, just the boards and and uh, I guess we weren't the only ones. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it was something to, people think it's tough now. They. They don't know. They don't know. It was a Catholic school in Gilbertville. Mm -hmm. And then I went a year and a half, uh, Sacred Heart in Waterloo. And then I had to have my appendix out, and I got infection and everything, so I never went back. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we got jobbed. I Well, like babysitting, they call it now, for... A uh, guy in Gilbertville, he owned a, a grocery store, and they call it the butcher shop then. And they had two little girls, and and I took care of them for a while. Then I got married when I was 17. <laughs> uh, and I think of it now, and I see these kids 17. and yeah. <laughs> You know, my sister said, how come you got married so young? I said, I don't know. He was a farmer and a Catholic and a Democrat. What else did they want? <laughs> what else did they want from me? <laughs> so. Nilla married her first husband, Laverne, and they were together for 24 years before he passed. She later was married to her second husband, Bob, and they shared 12 years together before his passing. At that time, she went on to serve as a nanny for two families for 18 years before retiring in Waterloo. Nilla is a proud mother to 12 children. She also was proud to share her family has since expanded to include 33 grandchildren, 38 great-grandchildren, and three great-great-grandchildren. I hope you enjoyed hearing from Nilla as much as I did. The third interview features memories shared by Jerry Sodergren. Jerry now lives in Independence at ABCM after having lived all over Iowa throughout his life. 
Jerry's interview is unique in that he shares memories immediately following the Great Depression. Having been born in Stockport, Iowa on October 18, 1939, Jerry is the youngest of our featured histories. He was 81 when I talked with him, and he had so many memories to share of life on a southeast Iowa farm. My uh, mother was a waitress at times, and uh, she helped out at the school, and my dad was a teacher and then a principal and then a superintendent of school of Davis County in Iowa. I hated school (laughs) with a passion. The uh, main, main main thing I did, I, I'd be in there, and they you, you, they had one way of teaching. That was not not my uh, way of learning. You understand that? I do. What did you guys do for entertainment? Uh, he went his way, and I went my way. We very seldom uh, went did, did stuff together, but during the summer we had uh, I had my uncle, Don, Uncle Donald, and then uh, my ne- my nephew and his nephew uh, Jim Jennings, and uh, my brother and I were both nephews too, so we, it worked out that we had. Uh, Uncle Donald and uh, we named ourselves Huey, Louie, and Dewey. Donald Donald Duck's three nephews. Do you remember your parents ever talking about living through the Depression? Yeah, my dad was a teacher, so he would... uh, He'd buy stuff, and then he'd uh, refinance it during, during the... He was a teacher. Mm-hmm. Of course, he only, got, he only got paid nine months out of the year, so he'd refinance it. So uh, he'd get the uh, re- re- refinance it during the uh, um, fall. And, uh, and then he'd pay, 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 pay for the car and the other stuff through, oh. through the winter and uh, into the spring. And when, he, when the school got got closed for the year then he went out and was a carpenter did your mother have a garden when you were growing up <laughs> yeah they called them victory gardens I had my own victory garden better better put a thing in there yeah, I was going to make my own victory garden. I just had a little one, about a yard square. Uh-huh. And uh, the neighbor girl, I was five or six, somewhere around there. And the neighbor girl, she come over to help. She had those little, little fingers, and she could uh, plant on, onions and radishes and that one, one at a time with those little fingers. And we did fine. The war ended the depression, but it ended at uh, uh, like in nineteen forty-two was when the depression depression really ended because they hired everybody and drafted a lot of people and that went into debt like mad. 
and uh, I don't remember too much too much of it. I know my uh, dad never stayed home on during the uh, week after that. He was, he uh, he fixed airplanes down in the Tumla, the Stearman as they called them, twin twin engine, mm-hmm. and they were very easy to fly. In fact, I heard one guy say, if you can't fly a Sturman, you can't fly, and they'd ship you out right away, ship you somewhere else. But uh, I go out, and I, uh, that, that's some of the, uh, uh, the depression stuff. The, uh, well, when the uh, plane would take off, it, it had a 100 gallon of gas in it. And uh, they would they would take off and fly around a bit. Well, if they crashed, the number one thing you had to do was first thing you did was drain drain the gas. Well, there they had uh, ten ten gallon cans, the uh, jerry cans, and uh, they would uh, drive drive out there and drain the gas into the ten gallon cans. And then they drive while they were fixing it up, getting it right on the truck and everything to uh, haul, haul back to the base. Uh, they'd uh, well, the other, the smaller truck would haul haul the gas would go over to my dad where my dad was staying. He had a shed, and they put the gas in there. You know, gasoline was rationed, and uh, there was gasoline all over the place. Well, we never had any trouble. But uh, people would come up. And they'd have a sheet of paper. They'd have a sheet. Of, they'd have a sheet of paper, something like this, and they'd have on, have on there five gallon, ten gallon, whatever. And they'd give them a can. If they never brought the can back, they never got any more gas. So we never lost a can. <laughs> but uh, that was almost dangerous to be around. They, yeah. They, well, one. I think you said one time you had a uh, hundred gallons of gasoline in that shed, <laughs> but uh, the uh, steerman had a metal uh, body to it, but the wings were made out of wood. And my dad was a carpenter, and he could he figured out how to cut cut the wood so it had the shape in it, so that they could. Uh, Put canvas on it and t- tape it up and get get the plane room, get the plane to fly again. It uh, it, it it worked. Well, uh, in uh, ni- 1944, they uh, installed a, one of the wall wall uh, telephones. Well, those you crank, you know, get the operator. So yeah, I, I watched them put that on. And my brother was watching it, and uh, that that was quite a deal. Okay, the batteries were about this high, and uh, uh, that was where they got the electricity. And every month they had to, uh, they would, it had a cop, uh, carbon rod inside of it, which you take the top of it off, dump everything, all the stuff out of it, fill it back up, and that, that was how you recharged it. I can remember that because I went over and helped them. Anyway, the uh, the telephone was in the house, and uh, 
I couldn't get up, get up to it. And I didn't have anyone to call anyway. <laughs> and my brother, he come in one day and he was mad. And he come over and he pulled the kitchen table over or the kitchen chair over, got up on the chair, got up, got, got the uh, receiver off, pulled, pulled the mouthpiece down. And the operator come on and he says, number please. And he said, I remember he said, I want my grandma. <laughs> what, what a way to do the, the weird, weird thing is, he got her. Jerry lived in many places throughout Iowa before moving to ABCM here in Independence, including Mount Pleasant, Lockridge, Fairfield, Salem, and Trenton. The perspective he brings having grown up in the midst of World War II and the memories he shared of new technologies being brought to his rural Iowa home were so interesting. Jerry could have told stories all day, and I really enjoyed my time spent with him. Each episode, I share a new library resource with you. This episode, we are featuring the library edition of Ancestry.com, available to you for use in your home through the end of March. This comprehensive online resource features thousands of databases available for conducting genealogical research. The library edition of Ancestry updates continually, providing you with more indexes and original images all the time. Starting in April, this resource will still be available through the computers at our library, allowing you to continue the research you started at home. To access the library edition, visit our website at www.independenceia.org library. Hover over Research and Explore at the top of the page and click on Ancestry.com. Links on this webpage will provide you with a video tutorial and explanations of some of the many databases you can find on their website. You can always reach out to the library if you struggle with accessing a specific resource or have more questions. Thank you for joining me today for this episode of On Reserve. Be sure to check out our website for a full transcript of the interviews with Mavis, Nilla, and Jerry. That's at www.independenceia.org library, and click on podcast in the middle of the screen. I would like to thank the following for their help in getting these histories recorded during this odd time in our lives. Diane Hepke and the staff at Lexington Estates, and Amanda Allen and Kristen Mast with ABCM were all instrumental in getting this project done. Thank you for your time and logistical help. I'd love to hear what you, the listener, think of our podcast. You can email me at podcastipl at gmail.com with questions, recommendations, feedback, or requests. Be sure to join us back again in two weeks for a special episode celebrating National Library Week featuring a library staff member.